0: What do you make of his... Manchester Rashford should be the Manchester United captain. He absolutely should be the Manchester United captain, but why is he not?
1: Oh, he uh, I don't think he's captain material at all. Join
0: in the Obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball. Yeah, it is the Racing Pod It's uh, Johnny Ward today And David Jennings is standing in for John Duggan Who was in sensational tipping form last week And we will get to that anon And David Jennings later than Paul Carberry today To arrive on the line How are you? Yeah, I hope my performance and the actual race itself is as good as Paul Carberry's. I'd be happy with
1: that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, a few IT issues, Johnny, but we got there in the end.
0: That's fine. Uh, We're delighted to be able to bring you this new show every Friday, and it includes analysis, race previews, tips, stories, interviews, and crack. The first half of the pod each week is free to air. The second part is exclusively for members. And if you go to um, offtheball.com forward slash join, you don't want to miss out on all the info because our tipping last week in the free-to-air section Manisha Williams or Champard was the uh, nap of JD in the Beecher chase his nap returns at 18 to 1 beating my selection actually in the race Coco Beach my own nap was a non-runner and the two of us made a good case for Le Patron uh, in the Henry VIII novices chase at Sandown at 20 to 1 so that's a 356 to 1 double of course past performance does not guarantee anything no pressure DJ I feel a bit
1: like David Moyes I think following (laughs) the great Sir Alex Uh,
0: that was incredible by John Logan did he fancy it he fancied the winner of the did he? He did uh, slash for the Grand Nationals. Well, you actually mentioned Alex Ferguson because Alex Ferguson came up in something I was reading this morning about Rocket Gibraltar and JP McManus, who's trending on Twitter this morning. Extraordinary news, DJ. Yesterday, I mean, if you haven't heard this, what did you make of it?
1: Um, sure. Look, it's astonishing, really. I, su- I suppose it, like he has it to give, and that's one point, obviously. But uh, you know, he doesn't have to give it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not obliged to make these donations and and uh I think he does value the kind of grassroots GAA kind of, you know, as a pathway to life in general and I think he sees the kind of Gaelic games in general be it hurling football, ladies football, I think he does see it as a, a good avenue in life and if he can help people pursue good avenues in life that's what he's trying to do and I know people are criticising, um, you know maybe he could uh, show his wealth in other areas, but um, he's shown it to the GAA and there are 32 county boards all over the country uh, smiling from head to toe this morning Johnny, so I say
0: fair play to him. I was just saying yesterday as well, like the amount of stables that he invests in, in fairness to him, like, and a lot of struggling yards will have his patronage. You know, most owners, you, you see how concentrated it is at the top, um, be it in Britain or Ireland. To be fair to JP McManus, like, he has helped an awful lot of small yards stay going he has he
1: absolutely has and you talk to any trainers in Ireland who, over the years um, he like even I did a story actually the horse called Fota Island mm. that uh, died during the week and um, you know you forget like Mouse like Mouse, is, Mouse Morris has, has had so many horses for J.P. Omanis over the years John Kiley who won a big award at the Horse in Ireland Awards uh, last week like he's had so many horses from him over the years the likes of Carlingford Lock and that it's not just the big stables the Gordon Elliotts the Willie Mullins it is the smaller stables as well that he has been helping and I think in many ways that's kind of intertwined with what he's doing with the GA as well he's trying to share it in the best possible way he can it's not just being condensed into specific areas like if you're donating a million to 32 county boards that's an awful lot of people who are going to benefit in some shape or form uh, from that money being donated. So, uh, look, I, I take it as an a, immense positive, to be honest with you, Johnny.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there will be plenty in the papers over the weekend. I'm really looking forward to reading all the stuff about JP because he's very, very, very media shy. He rarely gives interviews, There's a lot of mystery about him. Um, but um, certainly, it's, it's a fascinating development. I suppose the other big story of the week, DJ, which I, 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 I felt was, again, really thought provoking, this concept potentially of the BHA restricting. Trainers to forerunners into good handicaps in British racing and the racing post has obviously covered this since kind of a mixed reaction to it Eddie O'Leary coming down very strongly on it what did you make of it all and do you think it'll go anywhere?
1: I don't. know it's kind of a funny one. I, I can see both sides, and I'm sure mm. you can too. You can kind of see both sides, but I, I would see one side slightly more than the other side. Um, I think it's very hard to to try and govern this because um, if you can if you, if you can say to a, a trainer you're only allowed to have four runners in a specific race, which is in fairness it is a reasonable amount of uh, a reasonable quantity of numbers. If you can say to a trainer to do this, you're, you're just uh, you're just basically using the trainer and the trainer as the one identity, but the trainer is not one identity because you've also got owners. So the trainer is, is training specifically for certain owners. So if you look at Gordon Elliott and um, all his runners in the Triton Chase at Navan back in November like he was catering for various different owners and his point was that if i didn't run all these horses in the race there would have not been a full field we wouldn't have a competitive handicap chase to feature the year at malvin and um it would have been a little bit of a damn squib so that is that point and then eddie o'leary obviously came out this week and said that well look if they do bring in this in which is an absolute disgrace um that we're just for the day send our horses to different trainers to run under a different uh, trainer's name which um will be hard to police as well. I don't know how you'd police that and sending a horse to a specific trainer for a specific day and then sending them back to that trainer afterwards. I think it will be a complete mess. I think you're opening up a can of worms and I think for For the backlash that you're going to get and for the negativity that it could potentially bring, I can see why they're trying to do it. They're trying to create a competitive environment where more trainers and more kind of smaller trainers have a better chance to win big races. So I can see where they're coming from. But I think you are punishing... The top trainers you're punishing them for being successful as well you're punishing them for for getting owners into the yard you're punishing them for for making the most of their profession so look I know people are comparing it to different things like caps and football and and various different other sports like the NFL draft and, and stuff like that but I think in racing if you're an owner and we need owners, Johnny, you know as well as I do, we need owners right now more than anything to keep this sport going. And if you're telling an owner where he can send his horse and he can't choose his own trainer because Gordon Elliott won't be able to take a horse or Willie Mullins won't be able to take a horse or Henry De Bromhead won't be able to take a horse because they have the potential to have too many runners in a Grand National or a Grand Annual at Cheltenham or something like that. I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to do.
0: Yeah, I remember Eddie's brother Michael Leary was on the late, late one time and uh, whoever was presenting goes, Michael, is, is the customer always right, Michael? And he goes, customer is nearly always wrong. And I thought that was a legendary <laughs> thing to say. The problem with this DJ, the BHA is nearly always wrong. Like it literally, the, the changes it makes to racing, I, think, to, to, for me, like the, the changes to the national, absolute rubbish. The changes they've made to Cheltenham, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Pandering to people that basically have no interest in racing, will never have any interest in racing. Um, having said that, and I think you've alluded this yourself, like I, I would have spoken to trainers last week who would actually they, Irish trainers who would who would actually welcome this
1: Yeah, there are people, of course there are there are more small trainers than big trainers, so there are if, if a smaller trainer sees an opportunity to have more of a chance of winning a big race and getting more horses, of course they're going to support it, but I, I just think it's still, like you're, you're basically penalising the successful so you're penalising a, a, a profession For being like Really good at what they do So Gordon Elliott And and Willie Mullins And Henry Brown Are obviously the top Three trainers in Ireland At the moment They're possibly And probably the Three of the best trainers Ireland have ever had Yeah And you're basically Punishing them For being successful Which I don't necessarily Agree with I don't know
0: what you think Well I, I spoke to Gavin Cromwell And Liz Doyle Among others We'll say yesterday At NACE And I do admire Their attitudes And like you You know Gavin quite well You're neck of the woods He's really trying to expand Obviously Liz is kind of A smaller operation But she's like These are exceptional trainers We just got to, you know, we got to try and match them, and that's why Gavin is expanding. He's very, very hungry, um, extremely committed to his job. Having having a sensational run of it, has bought a patch of land beside him for a lot of money to install another gallop. And his attitude is, you know, the rising tide lifts the other boats. We just have to take him on.
1: That's it. That's it. They want. They. uh, It's like everything in life, Johnny. Do you want to win a championship? with your local club when you're told the best team in the championship so say Kilmacud Croaks in Dublin are told right you're only allowed to play your your, your 11 best players there's 4 of your first team that you're not allowed to play in the Dublin championship do you think St. Vincent's are going to want to win a championship that way of course they're not going to want to win a championship they're going to want to beat the best team that Kilmacud Croaks are able to put out on the field and that's the level they want to reach that level and that's that's the level that most trainers will want to try and reach as well. They want to to win a Grand National where if Gordon Elliott does have eight good enough horses to run the Grand National or seven or six or five or whatever it is, they want to be able to beat them all and prove that we've won the best possible race we can. So I think you can compare it to other sports. And I'm just not in favor of, of punishing the best. I think there are other ways, and I don't know what they are,
0: but I think there are better ways of trying to deal with this uh, with this problem. The, we, we have to not get away from this as well in terms of both flat and national hunt. The standard of racing in Ireland, we, we completely take it for granted. We take it for granted how good it is on both levels, and we have to admire the virtuosity of the horse we have on show, which brings me on to my next part of the show, DJ Performance of the Week. I'm going to give mine first. It was at Nace yesterday. What could it have been? It could be one of maybe three. Ah, it's Blood Destiny, surely. Of course it is, DJ. So Blood Destiny, Paul Townend. That jump at the first, I was just like... Holy uh, It was like This horse has gone From even money to Like this horse Cannot be beaten Even though he's going Two and a half miles I thought I was talking to Patrick Mullins after, like, He's not the biggest In the world And their other horse The Spanish Harlem was, was a far bigger horse I thought he was sensational So he's my performance Of the week I'm not saying he'll Necessarily win an Arkle Or whatever Wherever he goes On soft ground in Ireland I, I can't wait to see him again
1: yeah, this is outrageous after timing now. Outrageous. But it's kind of after time and but I did say it before the event. Uh I did Willie Mullins a stable tour in the race and post and um he was one of the horses, like he's talking about 150 horses, maybe 200 horses he might have spoken about to me he was one, I came away and kind of went, oh he's kind of one from left field that he was, you know, far more complimentary about than I was expecting, and I actually did a column the week after, so I did Gordon Elliott's Stable Tour, Henry de Bromhead, and Willie Mullins, and I did a column when I was finished the Stable Tours, kind of the big takeout from these um, Stable Tours, just nuggets I picked up that might have been picked up in the Stable Tour, and number one on the list was that blood Destiny is a is much too big of a price for the Arkle, as I thought he was a two-miler at the time. That was two and a half miles obviously at nice on, on Thursday. But Willie spoke glowingly about him. Anytime I kind of asked Patrick or Paul Townend about him as well, they just seem to have a little bit of a glint in their eye. And have you ever seen a horse to love jumping fences as much as him? It was like, where's the next fence? Where's the next fence? Give me a fence. He just wanted to jump. And when you have a horse that really wants to jump, you have something a little bit
0: special. If you could do like, we have a split screen here, you and I at the moment, right? If you could do a split screen of him jumping the first and Hartwood jumping the first, the comparison. And Hartwood jumped it fine. But like Hartwood is here and he's just like, he it was sensational to watch but um, what is your performance of the week
1: um, similar theme Johnny I'm going for Willie Mullins trained novice chaser as well and I was working back on that last Saturday, last Saturday last Saturday, and uh, a bit like you at Blood Destiny, and probably more so, I was absolutely blown away by Indiana Dream, who's owned by the one and only Mr. J.P. Omanis, who we spoke about earlier, and he was one of these horses Johnny, that very few people knew anything about, because he'd only ran once for Willie Mullins, came from France, he won a maiden hurdle, and I often think that the racing around New Year's Day, I actually got married on New Year's Day, that's probably why, and I always have to take it off because it's my anniversary, but I always think the racing on New Year's Day, or in around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you kind of forget about it, because there's so much happening over Christmas at Leperstown you've got King George of Kempton the Welsh Nationals on the 27th of December as well and those couple of days I often think you forget about and Indiana Dream won a maiden hurdle at Fairy House on New Year's Day last year and people kind of half forgot about it he won by 15 lengths from a horse who actually is trained by Gordon Elliott Who's won four times since on V it's called which is obviously me than Irish he's rated 131 he absolutely hammered him Luke Dempsey actually rode him and he got injured afterwards we never saw him since and uh, everybody kind of half forgot about him he turned up at Navin last Saturday it was quite easy to back. nobody knew what to expect and what we got was uh, an awesome performance, Johnny. It was a really, really good race. Really good race. And um, he made some very, very talented horses look extremely ordinary. Hidden Valley Lake was well fancy for the Albert Barton last season. And uh, he looked beaten when he came down in the straight. And uh, I did a runner up, Sam felicien who ran against Faso vega um, at laven on his previous start, is quite a good horse as well. And Indiana Dream made him look distinctly average. So I, Indiana Dream is my uh, performance of the week, Johnny. And it's another JPM trained novice chaser that looks like a leading fancy
0: for the Cheltenham Festival he has some team going there this year yeah we're, we're soon enough we'll be coming to the end of the first half of the show the second half is for uh, subscribers but we will go through a couple of races JD, JD will be back next week and um, uh, but not, sorry not next week he'll be back in January but um, just to mention your wedding DJ um, you know often the best part for wedding is that part between the church and the kind of the whole ceremony DJs was in O'Connells in Screen. Now if you want like if Carlsberg did and pro- I'm not even sure they sell Carlsberg in O'Connells in Screen because they just sell Guinness like but if you if Carlsberg were to do what a pub DJ
1: yeah absolutely And the, the pictures like it is the iconic picture that we got right. outside the church if you, if you could just actually get rid of me out of the picture and if you could get, <laughs> get Aoife, Aoife and Mrs. O's the pub in the picture it would be the perfect picture because uh, yeah fabulous spot and it just suited because my wedding we got married in uh, in Kilmullen and then it was in Bally so it was just right in the middle and uh, yeah
0: it was uh, yeah happy memories Johnny yeah wedding reviews next week sponsored by anyway so let's let's review Cork and Navin because there was some good stuff um DJ was the apart from that at Navin, we had some other good forms as well, and then obviously rolling into El Fabiolo, it did the job at Cork on, on Sunday.
1: He did. He did. He. To be honest, I was a little bit more impressed with him than than a few people. I thought he was a bit gassy early on, and he wants to get on with things. This was very much a case of just blowing away the cobwebs, and he properly blew them away. And you know, he, he's still beating Phil Dora Masc- Mascada, who won a Grand Annual. He's still beating them convincingly. I'd say there's loads more improvement to come. And I loved the way Willie Mullins straight after the race said, basically, we're going to Ascot, um, Ascot for the for the race in, in, in January, um, which is you know where John Bon. Would have originally been going. I'd imagine John Bond won the Tingle Creek, but Willie said no. we're going there, so uh, we need more of these
0: clashes. We need this. Like you can't just be you can't just be John Bond one to five every race until Cheltenham and the same with that. Let them run against each other on different ground, different conditions. One has to get on the boat. Let them run against each other
1: yeah absolutely and Willie has laid down the gauntlet he said we're going there we're not going to Leprechaun of Christmas we're going to Ascot and uh, it will be very very interesting I did notice that Nicky Henderson last week uh, in the last couple of days was kind of saying it's either go to Ascot in January or else potentially the game spirit at, uh, at Newbury in February so he's given himself an out so I just hope come I really on, do Nicky. hope come on I do hope those. the Clarence the Clarence house should be between uh, John Bon and uh, and El Fabiola the one two from the Arkell uh, last season the 1-2 in the betting for the champion chase this year and you know if you're beating that, that ascot whichever one of them is beaten you get a chance for revenge at Cheltenham it's only a couple of weeks later so hopefully fingers crossed they both go there
0: Famously JP McManus paid 570 grand for John Bond which I think he's gotten back actually in prize money after the race at the weekend um, I tipped Slade Steel in the Tara Novice Hurdle Um Kind of hard to to know, DJ, where this horse comes in in terms of they have like the same connections have on Tubber, who I think could be possibly as good as him. But this horse's attitude was good. He beat Leckie Watson and Stellar Story, who was very well fancied. As I say, I love his attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was was, uh, solid, if not spectacular. Uh, Showed a nice turn of foot coming down to the last and then kind of gritty enough got down and dirty after the last to hold off Lecky Watson Leckie Watson is a horse I think is worth keeping on side he's a big awkward so and so that just doesn't really help uh, Paul Townend but I thought he was staying on strongly at the end I wouldn't be surprised to see him developing into an Albert Barclay contender maybe um, but Slade Steele a touch of class um, I'd say he's he's going to go to the Ballymore potentially with an each way chance whether he's good enough to win it or not I'm not quite sure but look he's a very good horse very good young horse
0: relatively small fields at Cheltenham tomorrow for a Saturday meet 8-7 Seven, twelve, nine, ten, ten. Um, a lot of these are handicaps as well, and one of those handicaps is the Virgin uh, Best uh, December Gold Cup uh, handicap. Top weight in this is none other than Fakir Doudares uh, for Joseph O'Brien. Be a rare enough uh, runner for Joseph over in Britain at this stage. So we go through a couple of races before we get on to um, the second half of the show, and obviously that's, um, that he runs as well. DJ keeps the weight down a little bit for So Scottish, who has a tongue tie on for the first time. Mark Walsh in the plate for Emmett Mullins
1: yeah this is like a, a JPM Manus tribute show because uh, I fancy so Scottish who is of course owned by uh, JPM Um I, I, I've long thought that this horse is really well handicapped and I think the prices he's gone off in big races suggest that connections think he's well handicapped as well like it, it, he ran on the plate at Cheltenham last season on Thursday and if you remember the Thursday it was a desperate day it was a horrible horrible day the ground got really soft he was sent off 11 to 2 but he travelled beautifully through the race I could say if you were on him you'd want to be on him everywhere apart from just after the turn into the straight, but maybe his inexperience cost caught him out a little bit. He he, he ran there off mark one hundred and forty three. He's been dropped two pound from his English from his English mark to one hundred and forty one. The fact that Fakir Dardaris is in the race keeps his weight down. He comes in here with a lovely weight, I think, um, of, of ten stone seven. Mark Walsh takes the ride. Right. I'd imagine Fakir Dardaris is in there potentially to benefit so Scottish I think he's the best handicapped horse in the race Johnny Wardham I think he'll win
0: beautiful okay that's um, a lot of uh, confidence from um, our man today now just just before we finish up this part of the show the Albert Barton novice Hurdle DJ is um, basically a preview sort of a, a prep race for the actual one at Cheltenham um, I thought this was quite a tight contest now you're looking at maybe uh, destroy the evidence sort of um, for Kim Bailey and David Bass briefly what do you like?
1: Uh, I like Illig, Illig, Illico de Cot I think is how you pronounce it I butchered the first half of that but Illico de Cot for Dan and Harry Skelton um, I think Illico de Cot was probably the best horse in the race at Lingfield was beaten by a, a young horse of Venetia Williams did everything right and was was just beaten basically on, on his first start for, for Dan and Harry um, last time at Lingfield uh, it just struck me like a horse that will improve drastically from first to second run and the Skelton teams have been improving for a run it's round about 7 to 1 I thought that was a little bit of each way of value Illico de Cot
0: give us a selection so for Saturday uh,
1: uh, just in general yeah, or, give us or for, in those races yeah,
0: give, us, give us a, a general selection actually.
1: okay well in the last race at, uh, in the last race at Cheltenham I thought a, a very good horse of Ferglow Globe Ryan's won uh, the first race at Cheltenham today called Dice Artino so I think will be a big player in She's the years at Cheltenham yeah. Yeah, but he's got another like not as good as Dice Sardino, It's not even near as good. But I think she's a talented enough filly called Bonte that runs in the three thirty-five at Cheltenham tomorrow. Uh, she's a strong traveller. She's consistent. Um, she gets in here with ten stone age with Paddy Brennan. Um, I'd imagine Ferglo O'Brien knows his onions. He 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 targets the right races as for his as horses, and I think Bonte has probably been targeted at this race for quite a while. So Bonte for me
0: around about seven to two in that three thirty-five at Cheltenham. I'm going for a flyer the one forty ass uh, Fairy House. Uh, Shanro acts for Carl Thornton who has a couple in the race Adrian Heskin riding and um, yeah so I'm going for a little bit of a flyer there but um, so that is uh, the that's the first half of the show and um, this is the racing pod and off the ball if you listen to the free version of the podcast we we'll leave you here and um, if you're looking for more including our analysis of additional races this weekend across Ireland and Britain go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe get the full podcast every Friday and with all our racing tips which were pretty incredible has to be said last Friday and stories from this week's action the Racing Part on Off The Ball. <laughs>